0: there you are Can you... <laughs> good to see you what's up
1: I am having a great day I am enjoying this weather it's very relaxing
0: <laughs> oh man you know several people uh, I mean I slept really good but I get up at like 4 so it's it like yeah, I mean, I, I woke up super early, but uh, I, was, I went to Fayetteville this morning to train with my friend Nate, and um, he was like, he slept in super late, and said it, it, Cora, just, she slept super hard, she said, but I guess that rain is uh, super relaxing for everybody, right?
1: Hey, Brian, I am having some audio problems, so I'm going to close out of some of my apps real quick.
0: Okay, that's fine. Go ahead.
1: Let's see. That should be better. I think I can hear you now, and you're not okay. glitchy. <laughs> okay.
0: I can I can hear and see you fine as long as you can, you know, see and hear me. Yeah, I'm good. All right, cool. Yeah, so the weather, uh, it's supposed to rain for like a week straight or some crazy thing, is it not?
1: I know. It's like six days of this, and it's supposed to be really humid and gross. So I'm trying to find gratitude and be like, well, this means I can later on the summer. <laughs> Instead of it's like too low
0: yeah i know well so uh what what have you been up to uh what's new uh for you have things changed drastically Uh, i mean i still hear you on the radio and see you on social media all the time so
1: yeah i feel um things kind of have changed a little bit behind the scenes um the last time we talked i was on a rock station and now i'm kind of on a pop station um which is good for my career but sometimes i really miss my rock people Um, I started my own business. So I do social media management and website design for like small businesses and nonprofits in the area, just kind of on a freelance basis. And then I have started volunteering a little bit more. So I'm doing some philanthropic stuff, just local.
0: Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. You know, Cor Cor and I are doing like, we're doing something like that with like 10% of our income. We've been, um, like we just got to a point where like it really benefits us one to do more philanthropic donating.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I mean, we kind of always have, and we kind we direct a nonprofit as well. And I mean, it's, that was kind of like our first phase of, of trying to get back. And now, um, you know, it's She was actually
1: talking about that the other day, um, about how your community outreach program branched out and you're able to do more and stuff now, um, with force, which I think was really cool. You're able to reach more people. So thanks. That's cool.
0: (laughs) Well, it's having more people involved, honestly. So like, for example, the boxing club, right? Mm -hmm. Like I actually only teach that class one day a week now. Um, then this other guy, Tim, with the nonprofit through donations or, um, it, well, I mean, all through donations, 501c3. but we're able to uh, pay Tim to teach the class. He's one of our boxers. Oh, cool. trained for several years. So he teaches it a couple of times a week. Uh, mm-hmm. And then same thing with McMillan. Um, he volunteers and teaches the veterans and law enforcement and fire. I
1: love him. He's such a good guy.
0: He's so good. He's such a, he's been on the podcast a few
1: times. Yeah, I need to check out some of those episodes. Then I like what you guys are doing, like doing more outreach and stuff. My what I'm doing, like with philanthropic stuff, I um, volunteer and now sit on the board with River Valley Food for Kids. Um, So I just didn't realize how much I didn't realize how big food insecurity was a problem in this area. So it feels really nice to, I guess, be actively addressing a very constant and and prolonged issue, I think in this area.
0: Did you see where, um, which is one of the guys that trains at the gym, uh, but he is going to run like 24 hours for Riverdive really? for kids. Did you hear about this?
1: No, okay, I just so, like no more.
0: Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So let me, well, well, and you can, uh, there's a video I did share it on the podcast page. Uh, it just came out last night. Uh, mm-hmm. but. Oh, wait. No, it's not. I'm thinking Rust Bus. He's doing this for Rust Bus. Sorry. Oh,
1: okay. But still cool. I work with people from the Rust Bus. Nikki actually, Nikki Stone, who works with Rust Bus, sits on our board for Food for Kids. But that's cool. So he's running 24 straight hours?
0: Yeah. Well, how crazy, right? Is
1: that safe?
0: (laughs) No. No, it's a terrible (laughs) idea. Super bad idea.
1: Is he trying to get a certain amount of money like per mile or per hour or...
0: They said stay tuned for how to donate. We're going to support. He's going to run over around Forza, right? And I'm going to run with him for a few hours. But uh, (laughs) he's going to get people to kind of run with him and keep in company. And for I guess he's doing something like for every hour that he runs, businesses or individuals are like either sponsoring an hour or donating so much for each hour or something like that, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. waiting to hear how we can kind of support him but uh micah piker he's a military guy real cool dude he did you know do you know what the murph workout is it's like okay so you run a mile Uh you do 300 squats 200 push-ups 100 (laughs) pull-ups and then you run a second mile and he did no rest no rest i mean you could take rest because i mean it took me forever because you might die it took me forever. I was sore. So sore. Well, he did one like 30, 30, days in a row or something. This guy that's running this 24 hours. So like, he's, he's crazy. It's, yeah. it's going to be awesome. He's
1: like a lunatic. He goes to the extreme. Yeah. I was, um, I did a drop-in course the other day at your gym and I just did three minutes of like half-assed squats and it killed me. Like I still can't feel my legs. So I need to get to his level because that's intense.
0: <laughs> I, you know, I've been uh, just over this whole, uh, quarantine have been really doing a bunch of workouts like i did one of the murphs with him on one day but Mm -hmm. i did a couple of other 100 pull-up workouts and uh ran quite a bit and i go run with this guy a little bit like in the mornings so but corn i've been hiking a lot i mean i've been exercising quite a quite a bit but um it sucks that the fitness center's closed so i work out st mary's they're still closed down yeah major bummer
1: it is. I'm, I'm glad that hiking is starting to open back up. I just read like um, Bitcoin and glory hole and there's another place um, that just opened back up to the public cause they were closed for a few months. So I'm very excited <laughs> to get back out and about in a more safe and legal way.
0: Yeah. You, <laughs> you know, know, we did little piney Creek, uh, Oh, like three or four weeks ago, but like, it was like right after it had rained and it was like super wild. It was crazy. (laughs) Like the, it's like the craziest water I've ever been on. Maybe. Uh, Really? But it was a lot of fun. I only wiped out, uh, one time (laughs) on accident one time with some on purpose.
1: See, that's not bad at all. I've only wiped out once on a float trip and it was because there was, I don't really know the terms, but it was when like trees and brushes caught under the water and you don't really see it. And I just and I fell my kayak and the river. It was fun though.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly like uh I similar incident. Myself, Colby and Cora all three got hung up by three different obstacles, you know. Ah, yeah. So it wasn't too bad.
1: I'm so excited. I'm, I'm hoping to go on a float trip. I was gonna go my birthday's next month and I was gonna go to that Alanis Morissette concert, and then everything is cancelled. So now oh, we're planning yeah. a big float trip and I'm actually a little, I'm bummed about the latest concert, but I am so excited to just be out in fresh air with people. <laughs> I think it's going to be like better than the concert almost.
0: Yeah, we had a ton of, I mean, I say a ton, like probably half a dozen concert tickets that, so we had tickets to that Incubus show. We had tickets to um, Roger Waters in Dallas. Ooh. Yeah. I've seen him twice, and I was so looking forward to seeing him again. Um, What else did – Cora had Alanis Morissette tickets. We had tickets to see Amphreys McGee at George's.
1: That would have been cool.
0: I know. Like little A lot of stuff's
1: getting, like – I'm bummed. I had uh, Incubus got totally canceled, Avid brothers is getting postponed, but gets the tickets. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that good stuff that gets rescheduled and that these venue seasons just aren't totally shot. Cause that makes me feel bad for like their coordinators. You, okay. So you're, you go to concerts and stuff all the time. I noticed that on your Facebook page. What's the, what's an artist, the artist that you've seen the most live?
0: Oh, widespread panic. 25 times.
1: 25. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How far have you, what's the furthest you traveled to see them?
0: Oh, Mexico.
1: oh you went to another country that's pretty cool okay so mine would be dance gavin dance and i've seen them five times and (laughs) the first i traveled was colorado
0: okay i want to see i want to see panic at red rocks they actually panic holds the uh most sold out shows of any other band at red rocks i forget what the number is it's like Mm. insanely high but um they've been playing there forever they first played their opening for blues traveler Believe it or not, that was their very first.
1: Very- oh, what an interesting show!
0: Yeah. So, well, What's so that? Oh, here's a there's a guy that so their guitar player died in 2002, right? His name was Mikey Hauser. Boy, well, the guy that was his guitar technician that actually played mm-hmm. with them a lot for like this little four year period uh, between until they got the guitar player they have now. I may have him on the podcast. His name's Sam Holt. I've been talking to his management.
1: People. Get out! That is yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah. So like when their guitar player died, he filled in then and they replaced, uh, they replaced him for a couple of years and then that guy left and then he filled oh. in then too. So, um, and he like still sings and covers all of the original guitar players like solo. It's like, it's really sad, honestly, because that guy, <laughs> that guy's like keeping that guy's stuff alive. Go. Ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's cool. I think it's cool to be in a position that what Sam Holt is his name that that he's in like to be able to even fill in for something like that and to know the material, to be trusted. Oh man. To be trusted with that kind of stuff. Dude. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: That's going to be a, such a cool podcast. I am stoked.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and too, so like, that's been, what's uh, kind of nice about this. I've been doing an influx like Jitsu and MMA podcast. Like, uh, and that's why I've like been like, reach, like, I got like, I got to do more normal life unraveled episodes. <laughs> I'm, I'm burdening people with the, with the fighting. <laughs> But, you know, honestly, so many um, non-essentials are available to come on the podcast. Like Sam Holt, he's like, I'm displaying shows right now from my house. <laughs> You know, it's like he does, he likes like just like you see some guy named Rob doing like he's doing the same. They're doing
1: like they're doing a bunch of um live shows and cool giveaways. And I've seen like these virtual tip jars. And I'm even hearing from some artists, like aside from the things that like band camp and things are doing, they're actually making more money than they were prior to this, just because of the push to support the arts and how proactive and like almost in your face it's being. So it's kind of it's bittersweet. They can't be in their preferred venues or with their crowds and stuff like that. But for some artists, it's really working out pretty well. And they're getting really creative with, like, wh- how they're even performing. So it's been, it's been fun to watch.
0: It really has. It really has. I mean, I, uh, and I've, I will say this across the board, whether it's, um, whether it's a performing artist or martial artist, because there's so many martial artists that would never do a video. They just wouldn't. And now they're, they're they're like, hey, here I got tons of videos because I got to reach out to my students. And I'm like, like my coaches and stuff, I'm like, like the 50, like, well, my coach is like 58 years old. Like, he's not going to do YouTube videos. He's just not like I stopped expecting it. <laughs> but now he does. And I'm like, well, thanks, man. I don't have to drive. So yeah.
1: that's pretty cool. I'm actually. OK, so a question about that, as people are kind of moving towards digital when did you started slowly kind of opening your gym back up, are you still seeing, are you getting new customers and new clients from going digital or are you kind of like facing an uphill battle and getting your normies, your in-person to like get back into that routine?
0: It's a little bit of all that. Like we already had a pretty strong digital presence. I had like 600 YouTube videos for the gym, but well, what was nice is like Cora and, um, Dr. Aaron Claire and Jess and a whole bunch of the other instructors at the gym started putting out content to Hannah. So that uh-huh. was super helpful. So like now we have like 10 or a dozen yoga videos and like a playlist for that and fitness kickboxing at home workouts and so but yeah, that did um I know like Hannah Butler did some sort of story on like some of Cora's workouts she was putting out, but mm-hmm. like we've been getting an influx of fitness kickboxing and yoga people that are coming back in and signing up because that's about all we can take new members for right now. You know? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So in kickboxing, like my kickboxing class that I teach too, which is more like for self-defense combat sports, but
1: Well, so what is the difference in your class and in the fitness kickboxing class? Because I took the fitness one, but what's your life?
0: We don't die. We just kill people. Right? (laughs) See, so when you did fitness kickboxing, you died in there, didn't you? You went in there and Oh, my God. I'm
1: still dying. Um, I was actually on the bag next to Adrian. And I think he. I have this tendency. I look a lot worse than I feel. Like I get beet red, like almost purple. And he's like, he looks really I was like, yeah, totally fine. Like I just look like um, a potato right now. I'm so sorry. But no, it was really, really fun. And it was, I think, one of the hardest hours. Of, <laughs> one of the hardest hours of my life. Seriously, but it was rewarding. So that was fun
0: it is and like you get a good workout in the class i do it's just more combat oriented it's more for self defense. like hey here's why we do this you know mm-hmm. uh versus like it being more about anaerobic exercise oh cool yeah. But we just, yeah, yeah. yeah well it is it's good it's good for self-defense too like actually like i think last what was it wednesday i had like uh oh three or four three or four women in there something like that so it's always been a pretty popular class with ladies too but since we got the fitness kit boxing, that's popular with everybody so
1: yeah there was a there was definitely a, a wide range of people in there it was super fun i need to check out your self-defense class though yeah do some damage
0: yeah when we're gonna be offering like there's a whole, we're di- rolling out a whole bunch more classes we just can't offer yet like what we had planned to uh we were mm-hmm. gonna start a new schedule one week before the shutdown or one week after the shutdown rather uh, oh shutdown happened so we didn't start the new schedule so uh we're adding like some zumba classes like we haven't started those yet um, yeah have an awesome zumba instructor uh Krista. and mm-hmm. then we'll add more yoga and hot yoga eventually we're just we're gonna but like hot yoga is already full and
1: uh, i don't understand that yeah no uh, <laughs> no he actually all the girls um aaron claire cora so my other friends are like, you should have stayed for hot yoga. And I'm like, no, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe next time I'm not, I don't feel like die, like actually dying today. <laughs>
0: so we put that room like on its own unit, like it has its own unit, really? its own thermostat. So like, you can really crank it up in there. No, thank you. Special flooring too. <laughs> so yeah. with all
1: of your like MMA stuff, um, I know you talk about like the physical component and a lot of people, I think, think of that um at the forefront but what's i i've been interested more about like the mental component how do you what's the whole thing about like getting your mind right before anything else gets right because i'm trying not necessarily in a physical sense but i'm trying to do that with some of my day-to-day like getting my head right and then everything else would kind of follow yeah
0: it's it's interesting it's kind of arts is unique it's it's its own thing but like what i was saying like like with jujitsu, for example, when you're just getting crushed and you're tired, because like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how long you train, like you're going to get tired eventually, it might take you three hours, it might be (laughs) like, or or it won't take you three hours if you're going against somebody that's really good too. Uh, But Mm -hmm. it's like you get put in like some sort of like, the reason that guy is running for 24 hours is because he's got to go back to this place that he visits a lot right and Mm -hmm. and people visit that place for different reasons and it's a dark freaking place and and it's the mindset like what i describe people as is it's that place you're at when you're running and you're like um i'm gonna walk now and you start walking like yeah you start but but then like there's like depths to that right so it's like Mm -hmm. how much further do you keep going after you wanted to start walking and like martial arts becomes that because I mean, it's, you push yourself, there's a competition side, but like, I mean, it's a great workout, but like with, with depending on the art you're doing, or if you're training for a competition or if you're competing, there's just so much, um, there's so much suck, potential suck to it. Right. And you, <laughs> yeah. su- you suck while you're learning it. So yeah, like the, the, and you know what the punishment is for sucking, getting hit in the brain right or getting your arm popped like oh i'm not gonna tap your arm bar like that doesn't exist so then it becomes like oh yeah hey good job not tapping to that dude's arm bar now your elbow hurts for like months
1: Mm, so it's kind of like finding that line
0: yeah it's very it's very uh, i hate to even talk about like um like, say, stereotypical ego shit, like, oh, you know, martial arts, you're murdering your ego. But, like, <laughs> but, but I mean, that, like, you are confronted with that problem of, you know, I don't want to tap to Hope's armbar because she's not been trained in very long. Uh, so she's not worthy of armbarring me. Like, that is a loop that people that will go through. Um, like, like, you could have been trained for two years or whatever, and they'll be like, no, I'm not going to tap. But it, the thing is, it's like, well, you know, Hope's bar is pretty good, so <laughs> you tap, or your arm is done, you know, and then so then you're in this this weird headspace all the time, right? Yeah. So and you're learning lessons like, why did I get hit in the face like that? Like, right, you know, and, and that's just depending. Like, you could come and do all my classes, and none of that stuff really happened to you, you know? What I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. There is that path too. Like, you don't have to spar the way we do the rolling you could you, you could work with like somebody your own size weight even gender if you wanted mm-hmm. so it but it's it's a real unique thing because man you can like i used to i got up as high as like 235 pounds and i fought at 155 just doing martial arts yeah
1: that that really does i think that when you hear numbers like that you're like oh it's totally in the head or it's like totally about training because it's like mathematically that makes no sense
0: yeah, well, and I mean, like, I was just like, oh, I, gotta, I got this fight at 185, and but I was still like a little overweight, and it was like, oh, I should run, I should do all these things so I could make this weight. Yeah. Right? So, like, it was never like, now I'm like, oh, I just want to feel better. I want to sleep better. I want to um, have a better self-image, so I'm going to go exercise and do fitness. Before, it was like, yeah, I got to weigh this much by this time. <laughs>
1: <gasps> it's cool that it's able to expand like that and it's funny that you talk about how, you know, you have to like find your limits and your breaking point and either like cross it or just know where it is. Like I've been doing that a lot with um some of my like the work that I do. I, I you know c- like trying to learn more behind the scenes and then actually doing my work during the day and I get criticized a lot especially from like my close friends and my family like you're doing way too much like you're sacrificing your sleep, you're sacrificing this. And I'm like, listen, you have to push to me, my opinion is you have to push yourself past your breaking point at some point, so that you know where it is. And you know what it feels like to like, to reach that because I think unless you actually reach that, you don't know your full potential. And it's unfair. It's cruel. It's cruel to yourself not to know that.
0: Yeah. And to like sometimes uh, leveling, I kind of think about this, like sometimes leveling up's uncomfortable for you. Cause that's like what I discovered, like leveling up. Like I'm like, Oh, like, mm-hmm. I never thought I would have been capable of it, of the stuff I'm doing now. I leveled up. And like, yeah. sometimes that's a process, like a breakthrough process is a hard, long struggle. And then sometimes when you were leveling up, like people are not they don't see it for what it is. Like, uh, and then mm-hmm. too, like, I think like with just this like earned income and like the way that things are, you, you're not ever going to make it out of the, the race of like, Oh, did I pay my bills this month? Uh, unless you hustle like that. Right. Yeah. Or, if you don't like and like that's with, with Cora and I, we've been successful, but like neither one of our parents are wealthy, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, and, but we've been able to over time and through hustling to do a lot in the earned income uh, quadrant, you know? Yeah. So I think
1: that I've been, I I feel with that too, because people think that some people, when they're viewing you externally, they think that what you're doing is just for like resume building or for notoriety um, because they only kind of perceive it through their own lens. Like, well, if I was doing it, that's what it would be for. And so it's hard. I've learned, I've learned really uncomfortably like over the past I think years really when it has solidified that um I just you don't need to I don't pay attention to the other I mean you just don't pay attention because if when you start realizing that someone can really only understand from like their perception level it's no fault on them but it has no bearing on me like so I just don't I feel sad when my parents are upset (laughs) but other than that you know
0: I know I do, you know, like, honestly, I tell this, I told this story on the podcast the other day, but like when I was getting my history uh, degree, right, uh-huh. it, I had no supporters on that train, like in my family, like, like some people are like, yeah, you know, go do what you want. And I'm like, I will. Uh, but, but, you know, initially, initially though, and I, I bet you can probably empathize with this, and I think a lot of people, initially, if you don't have that support system behind, like, your dreams, right, you don't mm-hmm. feel like you want to go do it. So I didn't go do it until I was 23. And, yeah. you know, there was this delay of, of uncertainty. But it's like, I just watched this Joe Rogan's podcast, and it's like, t- Tony freaking Hawk. Like, look at what that dude was able to do.
1: Exactly. With with
0: skateboarding. It's like, yeah, dude, people hate on skateboarding a lot. But like, dude, you're like a bazillionaire and one of Mm -hmm. the coolest dudes ever. And that blue cartridge Nintendo 64 game is the greatest game and soundtrack of all time.
1: Absolutely. I'm glad you said the soundtrack because that's really, that was the best part. But no, it's funny like that because like I went to school to be like for music. And I was going to be a, I was going to do music ed, which seemed to make more sense because I could be an educator. Right. Well, then I dropped the education portion. Like I was just going to play my flute for the rest of my life. And my, my mom and dad, they kept having serious conversations. Like now hope you need to make a living. Like, and so many people see about it as like bottom dollar, like to make ends meet. But I think sometimes that's, it's from like a narrow viewpoint. I think that comes from people that either haven't had to or choose not to hustle outside the box. And so, like, I decided to do it because I loved it. It was, like, a spiritual thing for me. Did not get a job playing playing my flute. Then I ended up starting in radio, and then all the feedback was, like, you're just joining a dying industry. Like, it's going to be null and void. You're trying to get good at something that's decaying. And, and then even, oh, man, like, with everything else, I gave them real statistics, like, real Nielsen statistics about my industry. And they still don't believe it. Like, people don't want to believe – in someone else's happiness. And then they don't want to, they just, it's an echo chamber. Whatever they heard the first time is just what they regurgitate over and over.
0: Well, and too, it's, it's kind of strange. Like it seems generational. Like I was thinking about the same topic earlier. Like I stopped by like, uh, what, like my, a lot of my family's from Hartman in Johnson County. Mm -hmm. Right. So like right there on horsehead Creek. So like I stopped and went down there and stuff. I was like, man, I wonder what my grandpa and grandma would have thought being alive because they weren't alive when I started doing this right like they didn't know that I that, that I was going to own a martial arts school and do the stuff that I did it's so, like I wonder how they would have seen all of this the history prof- professor all, all the stuff I got going on because sometimes it just seems like I think I honestly think my gra- my grandma would have super been a fan of it but like with like our parents generation it seems like they just can't they can't see out of what, what what they were preparing for when they were our age and what they were seeing when our age, like all the new innovations and new industries that have come along. So many people just can't see that. Can't see it for what it is in industry.
1: Yeah. And I think that sometimes people, they, they try to like knock side hustles, but I think side hustle is in general is a complete industry. Like I was going to school and had my own gig and I work full time and have my own gig. And then people, a lot of people view that it's interesting. They view it as unhappiness or like lack of commitment. Like I'm just trying to spin all these plates. Cause I don't know what I want to do, or I don't know what makes me happy. And, and I think that that's kind of interesting because I always find something in these crazy tasks that I do that actually make me happy. Like I learn something new about myself. I learn something new about my community or my partners. And so in a sense, they might be right. Like I might not, know what my happiness is but I think that that's an interesting thing because to me personally I don't think happiness is actually a defined thing it's a moment and it keeps moments just keep happening like I, to me I don't view happiness as like a destination or success as a destination like you just kind of keep there's some tier like there's some metrics like I need to do x y and z and you try to reach those goals but to me those are goals that's not success or happiness and people view people are constantly like, well, when this happens or when that happens, I'll reach happiness. And I have to keep reminding them like, no, it's just a moment. It's an isolated moment where you're trying to be present and be mindful. And then you just, those moments keep happening. Like you create those moments to happen over and over. And so, but people don't, it's hard to have that conversation because people don't view it in those kind of terms. And so you just don't get to talk about it much.
0: Yeah, I was try- I shared a quote on Facebook today and I was trying to figure out, I read, uh, so like uh, I listened to it in a book that I was listening to the other day um, and I- he said it where he got it from, but then I couldn't even find who said it on Google because everybody has like repurposed, but it's like a Buddhist principle. The path is the goal,
1: Yeah, right?
0: Like if the end, if the end is the goal, like that's actually a pretty bleak existence. Like, oh, we're going to die. yeah but it's like what's a path like some people never find their path i found my path you know mm -hmm. so
1: i think that's a good way to put it because you know and there's different i think versions of that same thing you know like happiness is a journey and you know all those cliches but i hate to call them cliches but they exist for a reason they've been repeated over time and kind of ingrained and i just i don't know i wish people would be okay with whatever their journey is and compare themselves to themselves. Like I am my own metric. I'm my own worst enemy. And it's, um, especially like with my age and especially being a girl, I find this really hard, but comparing myself to the timelines of other people will so-and-so had this much money when they were 26 or this person had a great career in their own thriving business by the time they were 30. Um, And often we just think about, well, they were this age and they reached that, but we don't hear their backstory. And so I just try to remember like, well, this is, where was I a year ago? And this is where I'm at now. Like it's just growth after growth after growth and just comparing myself in my lane (laughs) rather than everyone else's lanes has been hugely beneficial and actually keeps me inspired. If I kept comparing myself to everything else around me and what other people were kind of expecting my results to be. I was really miserable and sad and nothing. I didn't enjoy what I was doing. So now I'm just like, I'll do my own thing. And it sounds calloused and almost selfish. And, but it's not, I think it's, it can be healthy in moderation.
0: Now that's, oh man, like how much, uh, this is another, uh, cliche quote, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. So like mm-hmm. how much do we compare ourselves to other people worried about perceptions and we're not going to do this because that, these people might think that, you know, in, in that like steers, like our decision-making when it's like nobody can think uh, in a big picture capacity for you other than you. I think mm-hmm. like your parents can for a window, like they're going to get you to 18, but like then it, <laughs> then all the big picture thought is on you about what direction you're going to take.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, being, having comparison be the the thief of joy, I think sometimes we want to, I think sometimes it's even maybe subconsciously self-sabotage. Like if we're doubting ourselves or, you know, I didn't reach quite what I wanted to reach, then we start that really negative dialogue about, well, it's kind of, it's, it's reactive. Well, you start getting bummed out about yourself and then you think, well, this person had, you know, this going on because you want it's human nature, I think, to want to reinforce whatever you're feeling with some kind of whatever logic you come up with, whether it's rational or irrational. And I've been having to, i talk to some of my listeners a lot um, about practicing happiness and what I'm dealing with right now. Um, I get called out all the time for being naive or phony or fake or whatever, because they're like, There's no way this girl is this positive all the time. And I'm like, hell yeah, you are totally right. <laughs> like, I am not positive all the time. And I for me, you just have to, you have to practice, like, you practice your jujitsu and your MMA. I practiced my flute for years. Like, you have to practice something to perfect it. Like, it's not instinctual to speak positively when you really kind of want to go play in traffic. And then, so I'm getting it from that end, like, from the external side that I'm, you know, naive. And then internally, sometimes I feel I combat feeling phony. I'm like, am I lying to these people? Am I lying to myself? And then I have to think, no, you're just changing. You're changing your inner dialogue. Like it's not about, you don't need to give power and energy to something just because it's the first thing instinctually that happens. Like, and so I deal with sometimes feeling fake because I'm like, well, I don't feel happy and I don't feel positive and I don't feel like I want to set my intention. What I really feel like I want to do is go yell and scream and maybe punch something. But if you keep reinforcing that, you're never going to get anywhere. You're never going to be the better version of yourself.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I once heard John Lennon say something. Cause like, basically if you look at that dude's life, it was like, uh, somebody asked him this later on, like after the Beatles, stuff so like right before he died was like, Hey, dude, you know, you kind of a hypocrite about all this stuff you wrote about because you're an asshole. <laughs> was basically like, I'm paraphrasing, right? Yeah. But he was like, look, yeah. And, and, you know, on the other side of all that, I am a better person. But it's like being, being the better person was the goal. And, and there's no hypocrisy in me falling short of trying. Right. Like That's so like, because anything you try like there's what you want out of it. Right. And, and Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're going to fall short of that goal. And then it's just like, how are you going to handle that emotionally? Are you going to beat yourself up and dwell on it, triple down on, on being wrong? That's another thing I've been, then uh, I was just listening to a a book uh, that Dan Crenshaw book fortitude is actually pretty good.
1: I have heard about that. Now I'm going to add it to
0: my, like, actually add it to my list. You know, I first got onto him, him coming on Jorgen's podcast. But man, like, honestly, Navy SEALs are great leaders. Like, all of the Navy SEALs material I've consumed. So I've done Jocko's book, Extreme Ownership. I've done David Goggins' Can't Hurt Me. And now this dude. And I'm just like, damn, we're three for three on Navy SEALs, guys. All right.
1: <laughs> well, okay. So with you're doing your however many books in a year thing yes
0: i'm almost um, at 50.
1: wow okay so i know for me i'm like damn that's a big goal for books but for you personally like consuming all of this material how is that? I how mean, how is that do you like to stick to that goal and then actually internalize the things that that you're consuming
0: um well it kind of depends so like i've been like i've tried to have a a wide uh approach like one thing I, I joke around about i'm going back and rereading all the books i was supposed to read when i was growing up and i was in school <laughs> and stuff that i didn't actually read i like did spark notes or just like bullshitted you know yeah so there's that so like so uh 1984 and you know uh animal farm uh mice and men like all these classics right so like mm, i got a yeah. classic going all the time That's like it's just leisure, you know, it's not, um, you know, Oh man, this is like, this is about investments and I need to pay attention cause I'm trying to invest or whatever. So like, I, but I do have some self-help, uh, like I hate to say self-help, but like, I just re- recently listened to like rich dad, poor dad, like this fortitude book. Like that's like to me and those Goggins and the other seals books, like those are leadership books, right? And I'm a leadership position. Yeah. So it benefits me to, um, consume that material. So like, I didn't start getting up until four until I read one of those books. Right? Oh, okay. I was yeah. getting up at four 30. Uh, but then this one guy was like, if i getting up at four 30, get up at four. Like, like straight up. I feel he's like, like you're
1: calling me out right
0: now. No, no. Okay. Yeah. You did say, <laughs> but, but basically here's what I think it was. It's this one Navy seal was like, get up at four 30, set three alarms, do one this way, one. And then the other Navy SEAL was like, wrote his book after that and was like, yeah, that's cute. Get up at four. (laughs) But I was like, you know, I was like, I will say like getting up at four, it regulated my sleep on a whole other level. I, and, um, man before even when i was going at, i was getting to morton at 7:30 or 8 in the morning i was getting so much done from 4 until 7 when i went it's left. like
1: time doubles at that time of day like from 4 to 6 a.m. It's i don't know what happens but you're so, and I think it's because the world is so still like there's no distractions and for me personally like I'm I'm a morning person I always have been I haven't always been a 4 30 a.m morning person but like that's when my energy is really high and that's when I can really Mine focus too. and set my like I really set the tone for the day because rather waking up right when you have to wake up and then you don't have time to be with yourself you don't have time to have a cup of tea or do some yoga or take a shower like you just go and that is shitty that's sounds yeah. awful like i don't want to ever go back to that
0: well you know like it, it like it is the world really is like it's it's weird because like we ran the other morning i ran with that crazy guy i was telling you about and uh we ran like oh what do we do we did a uh five miles or, or or 10k i don't remember we did one or the other i can't remember which one we did but so we like left off from the gym. We ran down the Phoenix. We ran over the overpass down B Street, down El Paso through campus. And um, we didn't see like any cars, right? I didn't see any other runners. No. It was just nothing. I mean, we started at like five or something, I think. Mm hmm. So, but it really, and like, I've ran several times like that, like got to St. Mary's early and like ran from St. Mary's, like made a block, ran over on Parkway and like around and until mm-hmm. I get over to like Lakefront where there's like the stoplights and stuff. There's yeah. nothing. like no, no, and running over by the old Forza. There was never any cars that time of morning. So yeah. it's weird.
1: It is, it is super weird. I just, I like the energy of that time and it's kind of dark still. So there's almost like a, it seems surreal. It's like almost a dream state. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, okay. So stemming off you're, you're very, to me or externally, you seem very self-disciplined and earlier, like, um, so it kind of reminded me when we were talking about you waking up, but you had mentioned it earlier when you were talking about your reading and, and like meeting your metrics about how you view things. Like you don't view it as a task. Like, so when you go, when you, when you try these things before it becomes a habit and before you maybe actually start enjoying it like what's your what is your brain telling yourself like oh this is for me and my benefit or like what's your thing
0: uh honestly uh, i was like i was trying to undertake um this year it's like i i i have the capacity to be self-disciplined right and i'm self-disciplined right now but there is just like i and i was self-disciplined i feel like while i was competing for, for the vast majority and like self-discipline, I've been am like self-disciplined in my business and stuff. But like when it came to my, my, my physical wellness, from the time I stopped competing in jujitsu, which about three years ago until, and, and then I got my, I started teaching college. I got my job with that. And then I was like making excuses. Like, I don't, can't get up at four. I can't even get up at five. As a matter of fact, I can't teach morning class or anything. I got this other job. Like, so I was not doing anything and just like going into the gym at night and teaching classes and like, I I just didn't have a routine and it was not, it's not a positive time for me. So I changed a lot of things and, um, I was just like, okay, I'm going to do all of these different things to ensure that, um, I never get physically or mentally unhealthy again right
1: okay yeah so
0: uh you know and then like okay so the books thing like that helps me as a historian and a professor just like staying sharp you know yeah. uh but it also like i don't know there's the sense of pride and doing it i just it it's it's positive for me mentally and some of it is like leadership and um ins- inspiration right so yeah really pumped up and motivated and i i'm i'm taking little jewels from uh like just these little books like that crenshaw books to eight hours and i listed on 1.5 speed most of the time and that's a big difference maker really yeah Hmm. yeah i need to check that that out then i've never
1: changed uh yeah i i was on audible and then i switched to libro um because of like dog ear books but they have i like audible selection they have a really good selection
0: they do um i've i've audible's been a game changer for me but also and it's just like probably a shitty thing to do but i have a youtube playlist with like a whole really? ton a whole ton of books that are on youtube yeah
1: i didn't even know that there were books on youtube
0: that's but where i, I listen to um, this is awesome uh what by fahrenheit 454 that's where i listen to that
1: oh okay uh, yeah. i bet they got a lot of good classics true, on there, grit.
0: true grits on there
1: yeah. the author died did you hear that
0: yeah yeah, yeah i see i teach going. that book uh we read that book for uh my arkansas history class i teach
1: oh cool okay yeah. that would be that would be my favorite classic was grapes of wrath i love steinbeck
0: so i did mice of uh, mice and men and i've got grapes of wrath on the list
1: oh so good i i think it's just because it's like relatively dark but in a human way not in like a an over romanticized yeah. way um yeah. And they're like, it was just very the character development was good. I don't know. You'll you'll see. <laughs> You're gonna love it, I think. But no, I'm glad that you. I, I'm glad you touched on self discipline because me personally, that's really what I've been struggling with. Like I do pretty good on what I like waking up early, keeping my routine, and I set my time management every so often. Like there's a day where I'm like, I don't feel like today. And I think sometimes, and I really don't know if it's the culture that we're in or like the age group. There's always that thing in the back of your ho- my mind that it's like it's okay to slack off. We just with other term like, it's okay to slack off or take the day off because we've I think rationalize that as self care. And I'm like, no, you need to stick to your goals. And so I have to get out of that sometimes. And then it's, I think it's kind of like changing programming. You have to like deprogram yourself is what I almost think of it because I'll wake up and I'm like, oh well, sleeping in two extra hours like I'll get two extra hours of sleep. That's a healthy thing. And so I justify it, like even though I'm breaking my routine and I'm not doing the thing that I wanted to do, you can always justify something with a pretty, pretty good reason. But I'm having to learn, like, I if I say I'm gonna do something, fucking do it, and that's really hard.
0: It is, it is, and that's like the, I mean, that's I guess personal integrity, it, it's self discipline too. But it, it's not easy to be self motivated, self starting, and you gotta have like a really strong why like why am i doing this and for me like i just got to a place where like i was i didn't have my life in balance i was just working pretty much all the time because i wasn't budgeting my time and i knew that i needed to do logistics like i knew that i could rein it in but i didn't know how i was just like oh i got super successful business and this is a history professor i do all the stuff i wanted to do and i hate it i hate it all (laughs) and all i want to do is podcast (laughs) <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like, but that was like two, you know, for two years ago, for a solid year, really. I was just like, because also, there's this weird emptiness in achieving all of your goals.
1: Yes, there is. When you kind of when you finally reach like a portion of your goal, or you're like, you, you stir the, cha- the challenge goes away, and then it's hard to create new challenges because suddenly you're balancing all these spinning plates and you're not fulfilled but it for me it's like sometimes i don't have the energy or even the time to like not necessarily add another spinning plate but spin one a little faster you know like it seems impossible yeah
0: you know and for me too like just just recently it's become less about like uh sleeping extra and stuff like that you know like for for the mm-hmm. longest time it was like oh, i'm sleeping in it's a it's a weekend but it's become less about just like really picking and choosing all my experiences and like corn i've been going on more walks taking our dogs uh, more places and just doing things that we really haven't done and like before that we were like going because like there's a big window where like we're just going all over the country for martial arts right yeah then, then we're like oh, let's go all over the country for music we did it for most yeah. arts, right so uh so we did that and we still kind of do and we still now there's like a balance there of like there was such a period of time where it was like part of the uh the mental suck was like every single weekend it was like well this weekend's a boxing fight next weekend we got a jiu-jitsu tournament and the weekend after in a different state and then we got mma fights and then we have a seminar at the gym and it would just be like you know week weekends i remember one time like it was like three months worth of of saturdays that like i was otherwise engaged and like Mm -hmm. a couple of them were at my own school and but we were still doing stuff there and it was just like that's not fun
1: it gets monotonous
0: yeah even though i loved like i was like doing all the things i loved like it was just like oh this this sucks like all i do (laughs) is is this and there's no balance to it now it's like Mm -hmm. we 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 do this stuff sometimes it's not every single weekend and you know on the weekends that we're not doing anything sometimes we do nothing but sometimes we go hike a trail at nebo or yeah you know find something that we want to go do
1: and I think it's cool that you say that because the more that I'm surrounding myself with, you know, somewhat like-minded and similar driven people, I'm seeing that those that are very successful or at least on their road to success, you know, you and Cora, I like to think that I'm on the road to doing something, something good well, for the
0: community. Yeah, you know, here's, that's a good point. So like, I did want to ask you about this because I'm sure that you experience this, right? Because I don't like it, uh, but whatever. What's it? So like, we're, I don't have a better way to say it and I, but it's like, we're like this weird local celebrity kind of like, I can't go anywhere without seeing anybody that wants to have a conversation with me and no. the people that know me that I don't even know. Like, right. It's, it's and, they not,
1: feel, and they talk to me like they know me because I'm.
0: Yeah, And you're more present. of a personality than I am, but like, if it's not me, it's Cora and a lot of people know who we are. It is, uh, Mm -hmm. so it's weird, but, um, what's that like for you being a local, a local celebrity? How do you, um,
1: it's, it's been an interesting kind of few waves actually. When it, when I first started getting some notoriety locally, um, I really didn't like it because to me it felt like pressure. Um, it felt like I had a big responsibility to own up to. And I was aware like, for me, when I'm in the booth, like I'm, it's just me behind a mic and I'm aware that I'm talking to hundreds, thousands of people, but I'm not faced with it. And so when I started to come face to face with those people, I'm like, Oh my God, they exist. <laughs> and then there were just mass quantities of them. So I avoided it. Like I stopped, I mean, it was crazy. Um, I stopped kind of going to the store. Like my partner at the time would always go and do stuff. Cause I'm like, I don't even want to deal with people. And I've changed my mindset a little bit as I've grown in my work, as I felt more comfortable with what I'm doing and more knowledgeable and kind of natural, I've almost embraced the, and I don't think it's an I'm careful to say this. I don't think it's in an egotistical way, but I do try to embrace that because it really holds me to a high standard, like being surrounding myself with um, or engaging with listeners. Or like if I'm at Walmart, instead of trying to dip out of a conversation, I try to just at least keep it going for a few minutes because it's good feedback for me. And when I'm back in the studio the next day, I'm like, Oh, these people really care. And I really do know them. And so it does get exhausting because for me personally, I feel like I have to be on all the time. And with being, like you said, a personality, there's a lot of energy that goes behind that. And, you know, I wake up, I wake up early. And so when it starts hitting kind of like four, five, six o'clock, I'm just really kind of, I'm just chilling. I'm chilling for the day. And with my age group, it's hard for them to like, like, I don't do stuff at night. I don't really do stuff on weekends because What's important to me is my health, and right now, my current goal is to succeed in my career. So it's been interesting. Like, at first, I hated the local celebrity thing, and right now, it actually has done me well, because as I've changed over this last year in my professional growth, I've also changed a lot in my in the personal world, and kind of marrying those two things together has been challenging, but it's been such an honor. And so now that I, you know, spew all the crap that I spew, I don't call it crap, but now that I talk about what I talk about on air, you know, positivity and practicing happiness. And, and I do not, I do not report negative news. Like I, I've made it a point not to do that. Um, It's reinforced that idea. Like I need to do this for myself, but also like, am I doing this for like is someone else actually benefiting from this? And then that's a whole other conversation. Cause I'm like, shit, you are getting real egotistical right now. And I have to try to keep myself in check. So it, it's hard. It's really hard to balance to, because people are blowing you up, blowing you up and inflating your ego. But to be like, okay, I'm just in Russellville, Arkansas, like <laughs> in a non-rated market. Let's be real here.
0: I know. I know. We're like, cause I was thinking about this. Like we're like having our little conversation, our little bubble, but like for somebody like Joe Rogan, I've heard him talk about like he, he one thing that bothers him and I, I can, I can only sp- speculate, but, but everywhere he goes, people are like, Joe, 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 Joe. But like one thing that bothers him is that people try and talk to his kid. Right. Like he's like yeah. one of his daughters with him. He's like, Hey, look, buddy. Like you, you, I'll give you an autograph. You can have a picture with me, but do not talk to them. Like, yeah. it's just something that like, I wouldn't have really thought about, but like, like there's like levels to that game. It's like with yeah. the the story that, um, I've been telling people, like I was at Quiznos, uh, like, I'd, like I was trained with one of our assistant instructors. I was like, dude, let's go get a Let's go get some lunch, man. Uh, so we go to Quiznos and I'm standing there, and and I see somebody, and I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, dude, you know everybody. And I was like, no, I don't know that guy over there. <laughs> and he's it's like, he's like sitting down by like the old Fredo's, you know, like yeah. at a table. And then that guy's like, hey, Brian, <laughs> what's up? He's like, he's pointing at me. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I still don't know who that person is. I still have no idea who they were.
1: Well, and see, that's funny though, because for people, you know, you're really vocal, like with your podcast, and you influence a lot of children and people, and there's like a ripple effect, but so many other people feel an intimate connection to me or to you. And they know me like, cause I'm often, I try to be authentic when I'm on air, but it's, it's really hard to try to in, in real time and in person, like embrace that intimacy. Cause like, I don't have it. I care about you from a human standpoint but I don't have that intimate connection with you. And so some people that I don't even know their names they'll be like, "Oh, did you like roller derby or like how was that kickboxing class I saw on Facebook?" and I'm like, "Oh, it was good." <laughs> like because by by nature, I'm not I'm not necessarily introverted, but I don't automatically intimately connect with people. Like I'm outgoing but it takes a while for that connection to happen. So it's been really weird to balance. I'm like, man, these cats are like, they felt like they were creepy. I'm like, why are they so creepy? And then I realized I'm putting all of this out there and I'm doing my job. Like, if you remember what I'm saying, I did something, I think, right. And so it's flattering, even though it's like exhausting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now that will, I mean, you know, you've become like somewhat, I guess we've said celebrity personality, but like influencer. Right, like mm-hmm. because you do like when you say because I was like the other day I was like oh yeah ton of people are gonna see that Hope checked in at the gym badass you know big but, but you, it's the, it's the same thing like um <clears throat> I put out like a podcast the other day that got two thousand views in a day on what? on fa- on Facebook um yeah. but across the board on my audio downloads and stuff it did well too but um. That is, uh, you you know, you get to a point where, like, so many people are starting to consume your content you're putting out. And then I deal with about 150 students a semester, every Mm -hmm. semester. And some of them take me multiple times. But, man, we we both, I'm sure, just uh, have a a big reach on the number of people we come into contact with or that hear us. Or, like, I'm putting all of my lectures on YouTube now also.
1: Wow, that's cool. So they're, like, just accessible. Yeah. I, I need to check that out. I'm glad you said that. No, but it's funny, like, you know, having having that reach, and it's helped me. It was intimidating because I feel like I kind of came into the position that I'm in um, at a very early age. So, like, a little bit of backstory in radio with what I do. Usually the morning drive slot, which I have now, is the la- – like, that's the – that's the final goal. Like you start doing overnights, doing part-time, like not even on the air, you're just operating a board. And then you do like a midnight show. Then you might do like a midday show. And then after a decade or more, like you'll get that morning drive. because it's time. And so I feel like I came into this at a really early age and it was hard to balance like, cause man, we've known each other for a while, I've acted, I've acted a fool on social media, because I didn't understand, like, when it first came out, like, I was just a young idiot, but then I didn't understand the reach and the impact, and now it's been really beneficial, actually, like, having this reach has helped me tailor my message, and it's acted, it's acted as, like, an accountability checkpoint, like, I'm very, or I try to be, I try to be very conscientious about what I post, because um, of the reach that it gets, but then it also, like, Aside from the social media aspect, when I go to try to put something on social media, the the dialogue that actually happens, like, I have to check myself. Like, am I being logical? Am I being fair? Am I being unbiased? And it makes me a better person. Like, I feel like just the job that I have and the like local clout that people have been gracious enough to gift me has actually benefited me as a person like I've grown and become better from it. And so there's a lot of gratitude that goes with it, but it is, a, I think it is a big responsibility by far.
0: Yeah. You're kind of in, it, it, with both of us core as well, it's kind of in the public eye or spotlight. I've always felt that way ever since I've gone to business and, and been on social media because like early on um, we did extremely well with social media and got our, a lot of reach. And like, honestly, the vast majority of our leads and new members and new business that comes in the door Mm -hmm. is via social media. It's insane.
1: Yeah. And being like right now, because like with what I do on the side doing um, media management for local businesses, um, I'm to a point now to where I just know, I mean, in the area that we live in, it's not huge. It's a good size for Arkansas, but it doesn't take long for word to get around. Um, And so I've been approached by like, so many different people like, well, will you do, you know, will you do my page or will you do this thing? And it's actually been really kind of hard because I, I've had to learn to say no or to stick to my own standards because I think maybe you and Cora, especially Cora, like you guys are such kind, giving people and you just want to spread the message, spread the happiness, spread the joy. And when you start doing things like with, you know, with Forza, like, at some point you still have to be like, well, we still have membership dues, or we still have this schedule. And like me, people want to, they'll want to do something, oh God, and in radio, it's notorious. They're like, oh, well, you just give me a shout out on, on air for like all this, you know, and I'll let you do my social media stuff for a week. And they don't realize like the legalities or the formalities that go with it. And so having personal integrity through that, because sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes it's way simpler to just be like, yeah, in a text message, like I'll do this for that, not write up a contract, not like go through the proper channels. And sometimes it's you want to do that because it's convenient. And it's like less paperwork and less time. But I don't know, it helps hold me accountable. And I think that's something I've been really focused on a lot lately is personal accountability. And right now, a lot of my personal accountability is rooted in the community. Be it from waking up on time, be it from talking about like my happiness and spreading positivity kind of thing with my substance problems that I previously had. Like, if you start making things known um, and you start voicing those things, it it helps you, I think, in the long run rather than staying silent about it.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, you have to talk about these things. Like, uh, that's been a point on like a lot of like, The changes I make, I'm going to talk about them, right? Because it might help somebody. And really, that's like a sect of those books that I've been consuming. Mm -hmm. That's what it's like. Oh, yeah, I got some things out of some of those books that helped me, that helped me with especially like the, the back to those Navy SEAL books, but others, too, that just like, oh, man. I'm I'm motivated. I want to go run right now. Like that's a weird thing. Like <laughs> I, I'm like, oh, I didn't want to run at all for the last five years, but now I do after listening to. Now to I talk.
1: gotta go run. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and it's funny that you say that because like I've been, I've been dealing with, and maybe we touched on it earlier, but you know people can only view things from their own lens, and people, you know, the negative viewpoints from other people really kind of make me have to ask myself a lot of checkpoint questions because they're like, Oh, you're only talking about this stuff because people are lit. It's this weird conversation where the people that are listening are telling me, Oh, you're only doing this because people are listening. Like they don't put, they, they take away my value. They want to take away my agency of why I'm doing these things. Um, and they try to just dilute it. I think, um, And I don't know why that, I don't know where it comes from. If it comes from a place of insecurity or lack of understanding, or even if there's any intent behind it at all, because I have to think that a lot of people don't think critically or can, can't think critically even like that's a huge thing. And it's, it's hard sometimes because I care about, I care about people in a weird way. Like it takes a lot for me to care about someone like in an intimate friend, relationship, family way. But just from a general human standpoint, I love the fuck out of everybody. And it's so hard sometimes to take the negativity in and be like, hmm, I want to help you. I want to help you with this. through um, But I think those are the cases that really exercise my personal growth and so i'm really grateful like i i tell people all the time like keep the negative stuff coming like that helps me and i will say something back to you that might help you and i've actually experienced that lately like it's been interesting where i've gotten feedback where people they'll be like i heard this thing that you said on air or i saw this thing you posted on facebook and they'll message me like this is how it works and i'm like oh my god thank you like this is so cool and it becomes less of an echo chamber and it makes me want to keep doing it
0: yeah that's good because especially right now you have to offset there is especially on social media but um everywhere you turn there is a lot of negativity right now like um yeah just uh, like i was i stopped it um A gas station today and some dude was talking shit to some dude about his about the dude where like what the guy that had the mask on the guy that didn't was making fun of him like i was i was just like oh my god i gotta go (laughs) like i can't believe this is going on in here like he's like hey you want to take that mask off or or something like that and i was just like dude don't say that to that guy leave him on i just don't it's
1: okay so the the current global state of things everyone is just functioning on a very weird heightened level so there's that to deal with but I've never understood you just see it more now but I've never understood why people are so concerned with the doings of others like why I just genuine it comes from a place of genuine confusion not like people ask questions to make other people feel bad but I just really do not get it like why are you so concerned with how another person acts or feels or behaves unless it's harmful? I mean, I get it. If it's harmful, you know, that kind of stuff. And I guess that's the weird territory that we're in right now. A lot of people think that the doings of others are harmful. Um, uh, it's, it's, I don't know what to think about it, but it's, it's crazy. Cause I just, people are hateful. They're
0: so hateful. Oh, I know. And like that's back to that Dan Crenshaw book. Like that's just what he talks about. Is because like we're in this culture now that like somebody can latch on to what you said on social media that was like something it, it was taken out of context, or maybe you had a slip up and you were emotional for two seconds, and mm-hmm. it was one of those things that like you you were you deleted it five minutes later, but somebody screenshotted it you know, or whatever, like that. And mm-hmm. then somebody can do stuff to you or for themselves with that. Like, yeah. hey guys, let me look, share this screenshot of what Hope said on my page. She's talking shit about, you know, people not wearing masks or whatever it is. And then you get a serious backlash to that because you have, your, you have a wide audience. And, but, and, then, and then by virtue of your audience mm-hmm. and that person making you look bad, they look good. And that's exactly. that outrage culture. Like, that's what that whole book's about. I'm only at three hours into it, but uh, like, he, just have keep to making, he keeps making the point on like social media. And this is the guy that, like, he was going to vote. And I think he was voting at the, 20, at the election for Trump. Like, he's a Republican. Right. So, um, and he got uh, he got in an elevator with these like super aggressive veterans. And this guy had his eye blown out, right? He has an eye patch, right? His oh other eye, gosh. like he like had copper and stuff in it and he barely had his other eye saved. But he's able to uh, have 20-20 vision through like l- collective lenses and surgeries. But, uh, like, these guy, these guys got aggressive with him in an elevator. And he, d- he never freaks out, really. I've never seen him freak out. He's always super chill and and, and calm. But the newspaper headlines were, like, ripped him apart, uh, saying that he was, uh, like, avoiding these combat veterans. and I, I don't remember all and this. See, okay,
1: so it's funny that you say that because um, silence right now is seen, like, as a weakness or admitting fault, like, by not – aggressively fighting for your side, you're giving in to the other one. And then I also, like you said something about social media earlier about um, how, you know, people, the whole screenshot thing and screenshot culture. And I, we're constantly on Facebook saying, well, I just blocked so-and-so, or I just did a friends list cleanup. And I find it really interesting right now. And I really don't know the source of it, but we live in this culture to where if someone Dissent in any way, and not even dissent, asks questions, disagrees from a place of confusion, not even a morality standpoint. We think it's somehow healthy to literally block that person, completely stop the dialogue. And I'm seeing this behavior so often from people that are screaming unity and screaming diversity. But the moment that they're faced with that for something that they care about, they completely stop the conversation. And to me, I don't understand. Like if you're just surrounding yourself with the same people that believe the same way as you, how on earth do you think that your message is gonna get anywhere? And I see all these like hateful statuses like about masks or about social distancing right now. And it's all that you see in the comments are people supporting this person. And I'm like, which is cool. Like, I guess that's positive reinforcement for you, but your message is falling on deaf ears. It's like you always go to the place that you're probably least wanted and least understood. And that's probably where you can make the most difference. And so I just think it's, I hate using the word toxic, but like, it really is, I think toxic behavior. Like if you stop dialogue or if you stop conversation because someone's asking questions or they're confused, or even if they disagree, that's okay. Like, it, we're we, i think we're perpetuating our own divide and i've said that uh, i've said that a lot over the years but a lot of people just want to promote unity and promote all these things but and to me it's just illogical like to, bl- to to continue blocking people
0: well here's the thing know, like, about blocking people too that like i don't know if people realize like so if if you're just like okay you're not friends with them okay or you know you don't follow them or whatever you guys are in the same space it's kind of like living in the same town right like mm-hmm. you, you might run into each other you might be at walmart at the same time or something right but like if you block that person they're connected to your profile right there's a list of all the people you decided to block on your profile so it's like they're they're permanently there like there is a name of this yeah. person you hate or whatever, and you can go over here instead of them just being in the same, you know, county or whatever, metaphorically. Like now, you've attached them to yourself. Like so, it's like a, with bad carry around with like, me.
1: Latch- I just, I don't. It, people want to, and I don't know if it's righteous indignation. I don't know. Part of me sometimes wants to blame like the the two party system that gets more into your forte, not even my thing, but it's like, it has to be this way or that way. And people don't want to acknowledge the gray area. But to me, like everything's pretty gray. Like, there's so many different cultures, so many different age groups, so many different religious viewpoints, so many different experiences. Oh my God! Oh, yeah. Think about like I there was there's times where like I've spent half a day, an hour doing something, and it changed me. Like and so when you think about these cumulative experiences that a person has over their life, like to, I maybe maybe I'm the maybe I'm the anomaly. Like I like to just study people, and I think most people don't live their lives and make some money and then die and they don't want to they don't want to have a conversation they don't want to learn and oh man people do not want to grow because it is uncomfortable and painful and moment that they're faced with uncomfortability they think it's wrong like they think I'm doing something wrong it's uncomfortable um or this whole notion right now like I might be getting in the weeds but um I think the awareness right now, like with mental health, really good thing. Like we should be aware, but to me, it's almost crossed a point to where we're giving credence to like, well, I'm anxious or I'm depressed. I'm this and that. And we just keep saying that. like it's this reason or that. And I don't think we do things to, this is a blanket statement. And for anyone listening out there, I'm not trying to offend you, but like, stop saying that you're anxious. Stop saying I am depressed. I am anxious. I am this. You can say I feel this or I'm going through this, but like words mean things and even inner monologues mean things. And I think you kind of, we dig our own ruts like, well, this person's toxic or I'm anxious or I'm depressed. And we hold those as self truths and we don't break away from them because we've, we've embraced them on like an intimate spiritual level. And then how do you break away from that? And so going back to what I said earlier, I have to speak my reality. Like I speak what I want and I try to manifest it. So I do, there's a lot of times I feel, I feel fake. I feel phony because there's times where I'm like, I'm oh, an anxiety attack. Like I really feel like that, but I'm going to speak what I want because over time, like hopefully I'll get the results that I want.
0: No, I mean, yeah, like uh, that's one thing I really like about, the podcast i do it, it, like i talk to so many people that like I'm, I'm constantly talking about things i got going on in my head so it like gets it out into reality but also i've noticed this like i started um back around the time i started making a lot of changes i started uh doing uh and i don't do it every day i need to be uh, more uh, strict with it but um journaling like writing my thoughts down because I noticed like, like, it's kind of like, that's the part where like, I write things down that like, I maybe wouldn't talk to you about not like bad things like, I want to kill that guy that was on the interstate earlier to put me off, you know, because he yeah. cut me he, This dude cut me off then put me off. And I was like, yeah. Do you see the car? You see what we're doing here? <laughs> right? You probably have a gun. And you're crazy. So I'm not gonna I'm just gonna go home. But, you know, like I write, but I would like maybe write something like that down. Right. But like things that are things that I write down is like stuff that I'm like trying to come to terms with, you know, like, man, I was thinking the other day how this just hadn't real, like how my family dynamic in this way hasn't been the same since my grandma passed away. Right. Yeah. Or or something like that. And then after I write it down, I'm much more likely I find to talk about it. (laughs) and so that yeah. it becomes this process of getting it out um whether that be to cora or to one of my friends or uh, whatever right mm-hmm. so that's like there's been it, it's kind of like that uh uh with the art of tidying up like it's like you have to go through mm-hmm. this these mechanisms to like yeah this this flash drive is cool but it's the first flash drive I ever owned. It's five hundred twelve megabytes. Like, okay, <laughs> I got this one terabyte flash drive. Now I don't need that anymore. That served its purpose. <laughs> but like, they had these processes how you can let go of things, you know. And I, I it's
1: cool that you journal because I used to journal but until I learned what there. Like, there's all these different ways of journaling. So I've recently got into like more bulleted journal, like. Keywords or emotions or just like this situation. Yeah. Like that's how I function in my day to day. So why can't I journal like that? And for me, I found that journaling, um, helps me. It helps me come to terms with how I actually feel about something over time instead of word vomiting my initial reaction, because we have the tendency right now to word vomit publicly. And then you put yourself in this bubble um, because people won't want to see you different and you don't want to feel fake or, uh, that you lie or that you're not true sure to yourself. And so you just got to keep that dialogue. And I think it's really important as individuals that we have our own process for just us. And I think sometimes it's, right now it's hard because it's like, um, intimacy is being pushed like with a spouse or with a best friend or with like a parent, like tell them everything, have that person, like, yeah, have that person, but you like have yourself. Like love and trust yourself to like go through these processes because a lot of times things that I feel really strongly about, uh, positively or negatively that really changes over time. It's a really intense, it's on a really intense end of the spectrum. And so like journaling helps me realize how I actually feel, like what my center and my homeostasis is rather than just like, laugh, like this is how I feel right when something happens because it does, it puts us in a bubble
0: yeah that's you know, I've gotten over the last, and i need to I need to go down this rabbit hole more because I've only wor- I'm only listening to um meditations right now by by uh Mark Sorales. but mm-hmm. but like really what we're kind of talking about is stoicism, right of like not having a crazy emotional outburst right and so like there's things i like with journaling but like there's things i think you can do to temper your response uh but what Mm -hmm. always gets me is like when you're sideswiped with something unexpected like (laughs) whatever it is like where you just you respond poorly because it was out of the norm and that that, Mm -hmm. that's when like um either what i was thinking about stoicism earlier when you mentioned something because stoicism is like the most timeless principles to live by that you're going to come across right but mm-hmm. there, there are a lot there's epictetus seneca marcus Aurelius. um there's there's several several folks out there to kind of like dive into but um interesting i gotta i, fin- to, I gotta I finish that down the
1: names yeah yeah and i w- so what, okay, what meditations are you listening to? Well, right
0: it's a, it's well, it's Marcus Aurelius. It's called it's called meditation. So he was what they call mm. uh, he's called. Um, so okay, uh, you know the movie Gladiator. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the guy, the emperor in the beginning, the old guy that dies, that guy being depicted is Marcus Aurelius, right? Really? Uh, yeah. So he okay. has a, a a classic. Oh, whoops! I turned it on. Um, he has a classic on, um, stoicism, uh, called, it's just called meditations. Marcus Aurelius. it's about a five hour listen. So,
1: oh, that's not really bad. Doable.
0: It's not, it's totally doable. Um, but I, I've, I haven't finished it yet, but like Jeff Woods, one of uh, my mentors, a guy that's really, uh, he's, he just always has sound and good advice about everything, but he suggested, uh, I'm always hitting him up for book references and suggestions that he uh he said i should check that one out so
1: i will need to add that to my list because it definitely sounds right up my alley All right. and something that would help me too like that i talk about things often things, um sometimes my listeners don't realize this but often the things that i'm vocalizing unless it's really intense are things that i'm trying to work through because i'm a vocal learner um so if i get like stuck in my head it's it kind of becomes it's just unhealthy for me and i hate you <laughs> sometimes i hate using my listeners and my friends as like my personal scapegoats and like my like whiteboard for life but it really does help me and so it's interesting that you say like i'm glad we're talking about these things right now because i'm like oh shit i just learned something about myself and he's got this great resource that's gonna help me in the things that i'm regurgitating
0: like i mean honestly uh was just some guy i was talking to the other day who i really respect as an entrepreneur and a business guy and i was just like Mm -hmm. we're we're wrapping up the podcast and i was like hey dude last last thing here like what 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 sort of book suggestion do you have for me and he was like he like like turned his turned his camera to like his bookshelf and was like oh i got suggestions but man <laughs> I've, I've come across so many uh great book references and it, like it because i'm because i'm doing the book thing right now it's like just like with this conversation earlier uh like how we got onto it tons of people were like i saw you're listening to books like hey what? check this one out and i'm like thanks yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm actually uh, there's one I I've read it before and I see a lot a lot of people reread it um I'm probably going to butcher this the seven the habit the seven habits of successful Oh of yes. Highly
0: that is on my uh did I just recently seven habits of highly effective people. Yes, I've got it right here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. I, I, I had a
0: I had one. an actual I've read that one too and I had an actual um no, I still do. I, see, I actually see it on the bookshelf in there. I have an actual hard copy of it, but I think it has some like water damage or something. So I just went ahead and got the audio book. <laughs> it's like thirteen okay. hours long.
1: Is it really okay? Yeah. But you okay? So you read at one and a half speed?
0: Yeah. It, well, it depends on the book. Like, there's mm-hmm. a, I haven't found any books that like one point two five is too fast. But if you have a fast reader, one one and a half is is kind. It can be too fast. So.
1: Okay. Well, that's probably how you get through so many books. Okay. So I've, sometimes I struggle with commit, like wanting to read a book. Cause I want to ingest it all at the same time. Like when I'm in that mode and I'm like, shit, I don't have nine hours. <laughs> like I've got 30 minutes. And so recently I've gotten, um, I've gotten on the subreddit, the Zen subreddit. And I've been looking at Cohen breakdowns. It's like these Buddhist riddles basically. And then people's interpretations of them. And it is fascinating. Um, it's like, You should totally check it out. But yeah, it's the the Zen subreddit. And it talks about, um, it's basically conversations between like a guru or a master and their student is kind of the format that it takes. And so it'll show the conversation, like the dialogue from a person and then like the breakdown from the user. Um, And it's fascinating. And aside from the breakdown itself, like the comment section, um, it's just a really good study of, the perception I think of the world around us and like the perception of ourselves. So sometimes when I'm like, I don't want to commit to a book, I'll get on the Zen subreddit for like 30 or 45 minutes and go through some Cohen breakdowns and it kind of gets the same result.
0: I should check out and see if there's a subreddit for uh Taoism. That's something there is. I've listened to um, a few books on Taoism uh, so far. There's one called the uh, the Tao of Pooh, like Winnie the Pooh. Really? And, it, and it's all the Taoist principles through the story of Winnie the Pooh.
1: That uh, would be a fun teaching tool, I think.
0: It's super short, too. I want to say it's yeah. like, like less than five hours. But um, <laughs> then also another one called the Wondering Taoist that is – Oh, it's so good. It it's about mm-hmm. this it's about this little boy who goes to live in a monastery and like grows up there and then leaves and goes and fights like Shanghai Chek and uh, and all this stuff like when China has civil war and then uh it's it's a wild but then that other uh, that author uh who wrote Wondering Taoist, um, he has written several other books. So hmm. uh, checked out a couple of those but yeah.
1: What's your favorite or maybe not favorite in your, in your studies, what's been your most useful or pragmatic, like personally pragmatic philosophy?
0: Oh, Hmm. Probably logic. Mm -hmm. I mean, logic and ethics, I think are the two most like rational and beneficial to real world applicability because um, ethics, I took two ethics courses, um, and just like a survey about ways to, uh, potentially view and, and behave and look at complex questions and issues. Like one of them, I, uh, one of the ethics courses I took was contemporary moral issues, but it was like, I did, uh, independent, Uh, research on like suicide euthanasia uh, capital punishment but like and then logic like what you're talking about with list making and stuff after I got uh, super into logic that like changed the way that I organized all of my information so like I honestly think it changed the way that I like process information
1: yeah yeah Like
0: now like I organize information differently in my head after having gone through logic I like sort it oddly like and what's weird is like a lot of it is concepts that you would learn in math but yeah but it's because math is based off logic logic came first but it's it's based on math so like but like honestly since it was presented to me in a number format i don't think i retained it right so mm-hmm. like there's there a was lot no of
1: meaning yeah
0: yeah so i mean and in, in, honestly logic like uses equations to solve arguments and a lot of a lot of similar crossover but logic just spoke to me it it rewired the way i like take in this information i'm getting from these books for example yeah uh, ethics and logic are two of my favorite sort of branches and then you get into like um empiricism
1: right like i'm pretty Mm
0: -hmm. into empiricism i never got to take a class on it but like empiricism is the way you view the universe Right. I
1: would like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then also epistemology. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, these are like the big subsets of philosophy. Like epistemology would be like the theory of knowledge. Right. So like you would say something to me that you hold to be true. Mm -hmm. Right. You would be like, uh, whatever it was. And I would be like, hope. How do you know that's true? Where did you hear it? And you would say, well, I read it in this book. And then I would say, what book? And then you would tell me the book. And then I would say, Well, how do you know that author? Well, why? And then we'd go see if the, you know, it, it would just be so like. So
1: it's finding, like, it's trying to like find the original source almost.
0: Essentially, yeah. So huh. um, uh, that, and then you also get into, and this is a little bit of ethics too, but like uh, whether or not I would be able to ever convince you that two plus two is actually five moral relativism right yeah. or or just relativism in general of like is the truth relative or is it objective or like is two plus two always four or is it going to be five in a hundred years
1: yeah and that's another thing like sometimes and i don't know if it's necessarily like linguistics but why is why is it always true like just because we name something this thing and in 99.9% of cases, it's always true. But like, why is there a truth? And yeah. why does there have to be a truth? Like, why can't everything be, and I think it probably has to do like, well, we needed to create rules for a society to function and there not be chaos. I kind of get that. But at the same time, it's like, wh- why does something have to be black and white?
0: Yeah, well, in part of it is linguistics and that, like with objective truth, you know, like I say, like the truth is in the object. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, this is a pen. But if you've never seen a pen, they don't have pens where you come from or when you come from or whatever. You wouldn't know what a pen was. But so, yeah. like, so somebody from another culture could easily show, show me something and say the word. And I'd be like, we don't have one of those where I live, bro. Like, I don't, <laughs> exactly. I don't, I've never seen that I, or, or know the word. So there's that, too. But like, it, well, then, then you start getting back into that epistemology. Like, OK, so where did we get the knowledge that this is true? right? Like, it's yeah. just like fall on the breadcrumbs.
1: Hmm. I wonder if, I, I've always wondered if things like, it's weird to think about, but if things like truths, or if things like, you know, moral or cultural relativism, does that actually put us in a bubble? Are we actually hurting ourselves in a big and a long macro sense? Like in a micro sense, it makes sense. Like we're in this decade, we're in this century, whatever. <laughs> but over the course of things, like, Cause we, I don't think we can conceptualize either the uh, positive outcomes or the detriment that we're doing. And so we just like, keep, we just keep doing it cause it works. And I think like we see it in relationships all the time. You don't change something cause it's, it's as good as you've had and nothing bad's happening, but maybe you're questioning it or maybe you're not satisfied, but you just keep doing it because it, it gets you from day to day and we don't take the time, I think. people don't take the time and I think some people can't take the time because they're surviving or they lack critical thinking skills but to even think about these things and then what's the repercussions like what if we you know worst case scenario what if we broke down all of our truths what would that be total anarchy would it be would it be unity would it be like what would it be and would that be utopia
0: or dystopia exactly well and that's like all of the you know the the well like Idealism—that's another thing. Like I've thought a lot about because honestly, I—I've kind of charted the fact that I'm an idealist. Like it, it's probably kind of obvious to a lot of people, but too much idealism is bad. That's actually a Carl Jung quote. But uh, it, it can be because if you're if you're an idealist, your ideal could be wrong in, in whatever way you're trying to deploy it and then that's mm-hmm. when you do something stupid like triple down on it like yeah oh, i can't let go on my, my original idea that's not working even though it's costing me tons of money right or or whatever it is but
1: well and that's a weird thing like i think some people like with idealism some people te- it's, it's easy to just apply that to like goal like personal goals instead of